This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.07. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sharmila. And we're starting off our show today with a closer look at where the boundaries are when it comes to punishments in school, especially when they're in public and involve students of different cultures. So this comes from a claim by a Form 1 student in Penang who says she was told to kneel on a tar road at school with her hands raised as a punishment for not wearing proper school shoes. So for context, she says she wore strapped shoes instead of laced ones. And she said that the teacher told, uh, and she said she told the teacher that this was because her father couldn't afford a pair of shoes with laces. Now, the teacher allegedly, um, in addition to making her kneel, um, cut her holy string, the kairi that she wears. Um, and then she was also told to remove her potu as well as the uh, tirnuru or the holy ash that she wears on her forehead. So the student subsequently lodged a police report and Penang Chief Minister Chao Kon Yao has called for the State Education Department to take the issue seriously and to investigate. Deputy Chief Minister Professor Dr. P. Ramasamy meanwhile condemned the incident. He called it barbaric and disruptive to the student's religious practice. He also questioned the severity of the punishment. Meanwhile, the teacher in question has also lodged a police report denying all the claims. So let's look at the police reports, right? And what the investigations thus far have said, uh, because Sabrang Prai Slatan, police chief Radzi Ahmad, said that they had recorded statements from several witnesses, including students and teachers who claimed to have not seen the student kneeling during the assembly, um, saying that they also saw the holy string um, and so on on her even after the school was over. So um, he did add that the case is being investigated under Section 298 of the Penal Code for Insulting Religion and advised the public against speculating on cases involving religious offences for harmony purposes. Um, the student's father has said that they will also continue to push this investigation forward. So that's where it stands at the moment. And while the while the facts of the case, uh, I think, have yet to be fully determined according to the police, it is worth nonetheless looking at what is alleged, I think, because the question of punishment, how far, um, whether or not enough sensitivity is taken when it comes to accounting for public acts of punishment, accounting for acts of punishment that impinge upon people's religious freedoms or religious um, religious observations, I think all of those things are worth talking about nonetheless. So there's been a lot of anger and outrage following the reporting of this incident. And I think exactly that, right? There are multiple layers here. On the one hand, what constitutes fair punishment from a teacher towards a student? Um, but on the other hand, also what happens when uh, that punishment uh that punishment then impinges on things that are cultural, that are religious. And shouldn't a teacher perhaps be more aware of these boundaries? So there's a lot to unpack. And you're right that we don't know enough of the facts, given that at the moment it is a, um, you know, each party claiming something different happened. But because we hear about these things much more than we really should be. I think it's worth talking about where those lines lie. So let us know, uh, have you ever been punished in public in school? And how did it make you feel? If you want to share that number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. After this, we will be speaking with Chan Sun Singh, CEO of Teach for Malaysia. Keep it here on the evening edition, BFM 89.9. Bombing Frustrated Minds, BFM 89.9.
It is 5.12. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sharmila. We're talking today about punishments in school in light of a recent reported case or incident that took place with a Form 1 student in Penang. Let us know, have you ever been punished in public in school and how did it make you feel? You can call us, you can send us a voice note or WhatsApp, tweet us at BFM Radio. Speaking with us now... On this is Chan Sun Singh, CEO of Teach for Malaysia. Sun Singh, thanks for speaking with us. So we spoke earlier about what a secondary school student has alleged um, that she was punished on and, and made to do. And a lot of it um, involved being punished in public as well as um, infringements really on her on cultural sensitivity. Uh, I'd like to know what your reaction was when you heard about this and what did you make of the way it was handled? Yeah, so I mean, if, if this if this situation actually is true, I mean, I think it's it's ab- absolutely unacceptable in the number one in the fact that it happened at all and uh, in the way that it was handled as well. And you know, I think that this is um, uh, I, I personally haven't heard of, uh, of of a similar situation happening in school, and I think this this would be completely unacceptable um, by the Ministry of Education standards. So a large part of this conversation has been that if these actions happened, they would be a disruption to the students' religious practice. And there are a few things to unpack here, right? Starting with, what kind of impact would something like this have on students? Yeah, you know, I think I think this would have a huge impact uh, on students, and and not just this in in uh, in particular, right? But anything that kind of affects or or sort of brings any form of shame to an individual's personal identity, I think has a huge impact uh, on an individual. And I think, you know, at schools, one thing that's really important to prioritize is really how do we enable a safe environment for kids? Um, Because a safe environment enables kids to uh, not not just to be able to learn, but to be able to form the kind of social relationships uh, that they need uh, to thrive, uh, to thrive in life, really. So I think that something like this would be, number one, it would be extremely shameful for for, for a child uh, to experience that, it would definitely be something that I think would have long term impacts on on just their their experience with um, uh, education, with you know their relationship to thinking about what it means uh, to be a student um, in relationship to teachers. So it would have a huge impact. I also want to talk about the boundaries of discipline because in this instance that allegedly took place, this level of punishment would clearly cross the boundaries, especially in terms of cultural sensitivity. What are teachers trained on when it comes to discipline and where the line is? Yeah. So, you know, all all teachers are are in as a part of teacher training, go through classroom management training. And, you know, that's really about how do you develop a classroom culture that enables students to be focused on learning, right? And so I think that uh, this kind of action would absolutely not be the type of thing that a teacher would be trained uh, to do. there, there are also sort of aspects in which uh, we engage around um, or, or teachers are, are trained uh, to engage in around understanding uh, um, different cultures, uh, understanding um, just how to navigate some of those things, right? And so oftentimes, you know, and we see some of that in, in, in the school context, right? So in school, one of the ways that we do that is through moral education. Uh, and in moral education, you know, we learn about like what are ways in which we treat other people. Um, and also there's an aspect of learning about different cultures uh, as well. There, that, that being said, there's more to, to 
there's more that needs to be done in that space for sure. Um, but this definitely isn't something that uh, um, uh, that a teacher would ever be trained to do or would ever be encouraged to do. So public punishments have been a part of our system for a really long time, whether it's being punished in front of your class or in front of the assembly. What impact What impact do these sorts of punishments have on students and why is it something that some teachers still opt for? Yeah, you know, I think that um, there is a very traditional form of discipline that uh, that that may still be pervasive in some aspects of of society and um the the type of when public punishments you know i think that that's definitely something that's not encouraged um but the impact of that really i think that there is something about that that re- that is really quite damaging to a child's self-worth and self-confidence because i think that what happens with public punishments is that it really enforces um shame right and uh, and shame tells a child that you know that they're not good enough um and by then um, putting it on a public platform, it really enforces, you know, across not just between um, an individual and another individual, but across a mass uh, group of people reinforces that that shame. Um, and so I think it's it's really damaging and, and harmful for children to experience such types uh, of punishments. You know, possible reasons why some teachers may opt for uh, punishment such as this is, you know, that, that may be the kind of thing that they they were exposed to as as effective punishment you know i think that um although shame can be a very harmful punishment to a child on their self-worth and self-esteem oftentimes it can be an effective punishment to see certain types of behavioral changes or students not repeating certain types of behaviors so i think that from uh from a very surface level effectiveness there may be some element of effectiveness that public punishments does uh does result in but i think that in the long term and when you consider the effects that it has on a child uh, individually it won't derive the long-term gains of of healthy disciplinary action So what kind of measures should be taken to avoid these incidents from happening in schools? What kind of training should teachers be provided with when it comes to intercultural awareness? Well, number one, I think that we we need to so uh if this case is is actually true there there definitely needs to be clear disciplinary action that gets taken um uh to the to the people that perpetrated this incident um and I think that uh that 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 needs to be clear and and um uh and in any sort of incident like this that that may happen right um the kind of but like 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 we're saying there actually what to what we need to do is to focus on prevention and to ensure that this doesn't happen right and i think that there needs to be more to be done to focus on uh on intercultural awareness and i think that actually you know that really starts in thinking about how are we actually recruiting um a diverse enough cohort of teachers into the system because i think the best way to develop intercultural 
cultural awareness is to actually just have relationships across cultures, right? And if we're really focusing our efforts, number one, on recruiting a diverse cohort of teachers and ensuring that these teachers train together, that they um, uh, that they build relationships together, that will, number one, organically create intercultural awareness. And I think that's the most powerful way to, to, really, to really see that happen. Number two, there does definitely need to be um, more uh, more nuanced training when it comes to this idea of intercultural awareness, when it comes to this idea of what diversity, uh, equity, and inclusion looks like, and how as educators we need to create safe spaces um, for our students. And I think that, you know, we have to even beyond intercultural awareness, there's so many lines that we have to think about in order to ha have the students um, feel safe in a learning environment. And the, those are some of the things that we really need to invest in, right? Like how do how how do our words impact? In what what ways do we help kids with different learning preferences participate in class, right? Um, so I think that there definitely needs to be a broader emphasis on this um, in teacher training as well. So in a school setting, a teacher is often seen as a figure of authority. Can you talk to us about the power dynamics between teacher and student and how this influences their interaction? Yeah, you know, I think that if we even zoom out beyond the school and we just look at Malaysia in general, Malaysia has one of the highest power distance cultures in the world, right? On the culture, the cultural research that has been done. And so I think that you you definitely see um, this idea that, you know, authority, uh, authority is not to be questioned, authority is right. And oftentimes what what the culture that's perpetuated in school is that, you know, teachers have um, are the authority figure, they have the right answer. Our job as students is to listen to them and to learn from them and to uh, then comply with um, what they are teaching us. Right. I think that we are definitely seeing a shift. Um, in the fact that the Ministry of Education is trying to emphasize a more student-centered um, approach to learning in which, you know, the teacher isn't the source of all knowledge, but that the teacher is a facilitator to enable students to be able to, to learn in the classroom. And so the ministry is trying to make that shift, right? But the what I think predominantly the culture that still exists is definitely a culture in which teachers are the uh, the authority figure, and so I think that how that uh, that then uh, influences their interactions is that that then stops students from questioning, right, or get or creates a sense of fear sometimes for a student to be able to question, um, because it may show that you know like either they're uh, either they may be seen as disrespectful or they may be seen as you know not understanding uh, what was communicated to them, and they may get scolded for that, right? And so I think that then that that fear then often creates a culture in which. Uh, um, students are afraid to speak up. So in this particular situation, um, you know, I think that uh, in if uh, in the event that all of these this case is really true, it's really brave of the student to actually um, uh, to actually speak up because the culture often doesn't lend uh, to that. So another aspect here was the fact that the girl was punished because she wasn't wearing the same shoes that the other students were. What did you make of this? How has the culture of uniformity impacted the way schools are run? Um, are teachers expected to ensure that students conform? Yeah, so, you know, I think that this is is 
is really, really um, something that would not be an expectation that you would see in uh, in schools traditionally, right? Um, I I think that this is uh, this is this is definitely and definitely an outlier case and wouldn't be something that would be accepted uh, by the ministry by the ministry of education um there th that being said there definitely is going back to the previous question about thinking about power dynamics there is this definite uh this um culture of uniformity that we are trying to shift away from right i think the very traditional uh, experience of learning is that you know there's a certain amount of knowledge that everybody has to learn everybody has to learn the right answers and then deliver those uniform uniform answers i think that um what the ministry wants to shift away towards is how do we actually develop students that are critical thinkers right that have higher order thinking skills that can think for themselves that have opinions uh of their own but the reality is that we're still very much in the process of making that shift um and uh the prevailing or dominant culture is definitely a culture of conformity uh in the system um and so this uh this incident is definitely not something that would be endorsed or encouraged um, by any uh, um, school or school leadership. Um, but definitely there is there is a culture of uh, conformity in the system. And the additional layer to this, of course, is that the student has said that she was wearing strapped shoes instead of laced because it was what her family could afford. So do our schools currently offer enough consideration for students who might come from less privileged backgrounds? You know, I think that, like I, like I said throughout this interview, this this definitely seems to be an outlier case. And I think that in most cases, what we've seen is that actually teachers often, more often than not, go above and beyond traditional expectations to meet the needs that their students have, especially kids from lower income backgrounds. Oftentimes what you see happening is teachers um, coming together, pooling their own personal funds to support uh, to support um students in their schools and students who have extra need uh, even beyond what 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 is the 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 provision from uh from the government um and so i think that like like i said i think that this is this is definitely an outlier that being said you know there there does need to be more that is happening to ensure that we're meeting the needs of students who come from uh, high need backgrounds, because the reality is that there is more need there. And so I think that there is something that we do need to consider about how do we ensure that we take an equity based approach to how resources are being matched to schools to ensure that the schools with the highest needs actually have higher resources to meet the needs of their students. In closing then, what can we do to make sure our schools provide a safe and welcoming space for students to learn? Yeah, you know, I think that that culture needs to start at the top, right? And I think that needs to come from, uh, from that needs to be role modeled at every level of leadership across the Ministry of Education, right from uh, the minister all the way down to um, the heads of state, to the district offices, to the principals, to the teachers, uh, in order to be role modeled to the students. Oftentimes, um, you know, I think that when we think about the fear-based culture in school that sometimes prevails, we think about that between a teacher and a student, but oftentimes teachers are under immense pressure and they're under immense pressure from school leaders, from the district officers, or even from the state. And there is a, there is a culture of fear that can be perpetuated across 
various levels um, of the Ministry of Education. And so I think that, um, number one, this idea of a safe environment needs to be role modeled across every level of leadership. Um, I think the second thing is that really, really ensuring that there are the mechanisms that are in place um, to ensure that safety is upheld in school. So like I said, in the event that this case uh, proves to be true, then there needs to be clear disciplinary action that takes place uh, in order to ensure that this isn't this is this is something that is not acceptable uh, in the system. And then uh, finally, and I think really the um, we we spoke a bit about like what teacher training needs to look like to ensure that inclusive environments um, inclusive environments are created in school and safe environments are created in school. So I think constantly ensuring that um, uh, that teachers are supported uh, with the latest thinking and the latest um, uh, training around how do we create safe environments for kids, because there's always more to be learned uh, in that domain. Sun Singh, thanks for speaking with us today. That was Chan Sun Singh, CEO of Teach for Malaysia, discussing a recent story that has made headlines in which a Form 1 student from Penang claims that she was told to kneel on a tar road with her hands raised as punishments for not wearing proper shoes. Uh, she, the teacher also allegedly cut her holy string and told her to remove her potu as well as holy ash. Um, let us know. We... Basically are asking, have you ever been punished in public in school? How did it make you feel? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine and tweet us at BFM Radio. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM eighty nine point nine, the business station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.